Welcome to the Even the Rocks podcast, where we believe that just like the rocks cry out proclaiming Jesus as our Savior, our symptoms cry out to help us support our temple. I'm Lindsay. And I am Danielle, and we are your hosts here. We are both nutritional therapy practitioners with a biblical worldview, and within this podcast, we will teach you the way God created our bodies to be innately intelligent. You will be pointed to Jesus and understand how to support your body best. All right. Welcome, guys. Welcome back to our episode. Today, we are talking about body composition versus weight loss. And I, we think that this is a an important topic because, first of all, like I am a fat, fat loss expert and doing it without harming your metabolism and without like the crazy, um, the crazy, the crazy protocols that people do in order to lose the weight fast um, that aren't sustainable, which causes even more damage to the body. Um, So today we're going to talk about body composition versus weight loss. And um, I think that, you know, I don't know about you, but I grew up going to the grocery store with my mom and every single magazine cover at the checkout at the grocery store was all about do this for seven days and you can look like this or um, do a drink XYZ or don't eat carbs, don't eat this, don't eat that. And, and if anything, it creates decision paralysis and it creates this thing where people are like, well, I don't even know what to believe. So I'm just going to stay the same. I'm not going to worry about my body or my weight or anything like that. Now, let me be very clear. We are not here to shame people for the way that they look, the way that anything, um, the way that they eat or anything like that. We want to teach you a better um, a better way to think about and talk about your body that has not that does not um, that does not connect to weight loss. Does that make sense? Um, so maybe I should define the difference between weight loss and body composition. So weight loss means you are reducing your intake or increasing your Um, exercise and movement, and all for the idea of making that scale number go down, okay? When you lose weight, you lose fat, probably, you lose muscle tissue, and you lose water weight, okay? So those are the three things that you lose. Now, if you are focused on fat loss, fat loss, you're still going to lose probably a little bit of muscle, but it is not about the water, and it is not about losing muscle. It's about maintaining strength and just focusing on the fat loss. If you are losing actual fat, you will see the stomach. I don't know if, if you're not watching me on YouTube or Rumble. Um, you, you will see your stomach kind of cone in on the sides where you can see your obliques. And then the stomach in the front kind of comes up and in. Okay. Now weight loss. If someone is doing some form of weight loss, you will see that they have bat wings. They look frail. They look very thin. They look like they have a lot of lines on their face. They have... Um, Uh, weathered looking skin. It's not plump and full. So when we are talking about body composition, body composition just simply means the makeup of your body. You can manipulate what tissues are there for the most part, right? So body composition, um, when we start thinking about the way we look or the way we feel or all of those things, it is better to talk about how your body is made up instead of just talking about weight loss. Does that make sense, Lindsay? Yeah, makes complete sense. You know, we see people who are 
losing weight really quickly. And like you said, they get the lines in the face. They get like sunk in. It's not like their body, their body doesn't look healthy even when they've lost weight, even when they look healthier because they're not obese, because we're trained by our magazines, by the Hollywood elite, by everyone that, you know, we come in contact with and we think, oh, they're super healthy. They have this perfect thin body. They have all this, like they're thinner. So we don't think that they have illness, but you know, you can still be super skinny and be unhealthy. But you know, if you were to look at Danielle or myself, most people would assume, oh, Lindsay's super healthy. That's what people would assume by that. But for years, we both were super unhealthy because we both had a lot of stuff going on in our body. But you know, a lot of people looked at me and thought, oh, well, Lindsay's super healthy because she's thin. Because my problem I don't even understand what was going on in my body for so many years because I ate all the time. I barely ever pooped and I was super thin. Like my family, now now I know it was all probably parasites, but (laughs) when I was like 13 to like 18, everyone thought that I, like my family joked and called me an Ethiopian child because I was so tiny and I would eat all the time. And I didn't even, like, during that season of my life, it wasn't that my stomach was bloated even. Like, it didn't appear to be bloated, but it was always in pain. And so, looking back on that, people would assume Lindsay's super healthy. Even though there was a lot of stuff going on underneath the, you know, now looking back, I was super malnourished, probably because the parasites were eating everything. But... I'm on a parasite kick y'all right now. So sorry about that. <laughs> I think we both are actually, but you know, it makes a lot of sense because it's not all about the way your body looks. We can, yeah. now I'm not saying obesity, but you can have people that are bigger and be super healthier than other people. Now, you know, again, we don't want to teeter totter that obesity. We don't want to teeter totter the body positivity. Yes. Have positive, Think about your body positively and don't hate your body, but also there it's a tight rope between body positivity, understanding how to support your body and that optimal health. Like for me right now, y'all, I am like five, eight, I weigh 140 pounds. Um, and back in the day when I was younger until like probably four years ago, my body weight fluctuated weekly. Like we're talking 10 pounds a week. My body weight would just fluctuate. Now I was, like I said, I was never a big girl, but I, I have these, these size 12 pair of lucky brand jeans that I would wear. And then I also had like a size two lucky brand pair of jeans. So within a week I would fluctuate that much weight. I didn't really look bigger. Um, I really liked like bag, you know, the baggy grungy look, that sounds (laughs) looking like hippie grunge look. Um, so that's kind of how I dressed now. My husband lets me wear tighter clothes. So, you know, whatever, (laughs) but, um, that's kind of what my body weight just fluctuated constantly. And that is a huge sign that there's a lot of imbalance and, and inflammation going on throughout your body. And so just because somebody looks super healthy or looks thin or looks muscular, doesn't mean that their body's being supported properly. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, there are so many examples of the extremes of both, right? Like yeah. people are super fit, super, you know, like you would look at them like, oh my gosh, they have their whole life together because they have muscles. Well, guess what? Yeah. You do, you you have... Constantly in the gym. Yeah. But and, you... you know, did the, have you seen those pictures of people like doing their like pre-workout powders and they just put it in their mouth and like chug right. some water? dry scooping or whatever they call it one time one time I was at a workout class with some friends and she like took like crazy pre-workouts this was like way pre understanding what pre-workout crap does to you and she's like yeah Lindsay just try this pre-workout it'll give you a lot of energy and I was like you know I was working three I was working three nights a week I was on like probably my third night going straight to the gym after I worked out I was crazy um and I took some of her pre-workout oh my goodness for like the next hour, I felt like I was on like what I would think drugs feel like. Like my whole body, I felt like bugs were crawling all over my body, all over my, like, I just wanted to strip my clothes off and just itch everything because everything itched like worse than I've ever experienced. Like I just dove into like a tomato bush or something, I'm, you know, yeah. like whenever you put tomatoes, how itchy you get. That's how I felt for like over an hour. It was horrendous. Yeah. But like <laughs> those those the not and I don't again we're not here to shame we're here to bring light to the actual facts of what's going on foundationally and um the people that are like super super fit or have muscles that are showing don't necessarily mean that they are healthier than you um or necessarily means that they are living a foundationally sound healthy life so just FYI if you ever want to tone or look toned. That does not mean these cute little videos on your screen that you can stream anytime. You do not get that from them. That's not how that those people got those, that look of their body. The way that they got that look of their body is lifting heavy weights, progressively overloading that weight. Now I will be a forever comp- like, um, person who promotes functional fitness. When I say functional fitness, I mean doing movements that replicate things that you have to do throughout the day. So if you are someone like, oh my gosh, my doctor told me I can't squat. Okay, cool. Tell me how you're getting on and off that toilet. Um, we have to poop. We have to pee. You have to sit. You have to squat. You ha- Tell me if you know, if you were like, oh, my doctor said I can't lift anything heavy. Okay, cool. I don't want you lifting any of your softener salt. I don't want you lifting... Um, any of the, anything off the floor, your toddler, I don't want you lifting your toddler off the floor then because that, that is replicated in a deadlift. Um, if you, let's say how many times have you lost something under your stupid car and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to get down and go get that. How do we practice getting something that we've dropped underneath our car? Well, that's called a burpee, honestly, maybe not as fast and as whatever as an actual burpee. Doing a burpee is a safe way to retrieve something from under a table or under um, a car. Um, Doing um, push press. If you have anything that you're picking up off of the counter, like say you went to the grocery store and you've got to put it in on a shelf overhead, that is a push press that you can do safely without hurting yourself. The whole idea with um, functional fitness and progressive overload is to practice life skills. But the other like flip side of that is that you are you build strength, which when you build strength as you get older, you you know, and you get off balance unless you're like me, I'm off balance a lot. Um, I am easily uh, trip and fall over my own feet. But 
what that does is that gives me agility and that gives me the strength to catch myself before I fall and break a bone. What happens if we don't have enough muscle tissue? Oh, our bones, our, our muscles and our body will take proteins from our bones to help build strength in other areas if you're not getting enough protein. So today's episode, we're going to continue going, but we're going to talk about um, just simply things that you can do and input yourself today or this weekend, whatever, whenever you're listening to this, um, but how to start putting in habits in place that allow you to just live as a healthy person. Like instead of starting a diet or instead of starting, um, you know, the next Hey Girl product or streaming service for a workout or whatever, we're going to walk you through some ideas and habits on how to input just being a healthy person. And the first thing I would say is make sure that you have enough protein on your plate. And when I say protein, I mean animal product. What'd you say? Not soy. Yes. <laughs> See, we're on the same wavelength. Um, Not soy. Never soy. <laughs> no. Put animal product on your plate. You cannot... Um, you cannot outsmart your body. We've said this many of times in many other episodes, but you cannot outsmart your body. Your body wants animal protein. You are going to have um, people in um, other media sources and other belief systems that say, oh, you're never protein deficient. You are. Uh, that's very true. You are not protein deficient because your bones and your muscles have protein in them, right? So do every single one of your cells. However, if you are not replenishing the nine essential amino acids, your body's going to get them from somewhere and it is going to start going to steal them from you. Yes. And so why not just get your nine essential amino acids from food? No. And, and oftentimes when you see people that do limit their protein, when people go on strict diets and most of the time when people go on strict diets, it's all about the, it's all about the vegetables, they cut meat, they cut, they cut fat out of their diet and they're so heavy in vegetables. What do you see happen to them? Um, their eyes get sunk in. They start to lose weight in areas where it doesn't really look good to lose weight. Um, they lose their hair. Their skin doesn't look healthy. Their skin looks not, not leathery, but just like it had like, you can use all the lotion in the world and you're not moisturized. That's because it's stealing it from your body. Your body is stealing from your, from your muscles, from your cells to get those nutrients that it needs. You know, often vegans assume that they're super healthy. They claim that they felt better after they were eating. But, but whenever you get past a point of a long-term cutting out meat of your diet, your body is going to start starving itself. A huge thing that I talk about in my practice is like small, um, not enough stomach acid. Stomach acid is huge for digestion. And so if you are on a diet and you're not breaking down your food properly, odds are you don't, aren't producing enough stomach acid. The number one reason for why people don't produce enough stomach acid is because they're not eating protein. Yeah. And if you're someone that is coming from that background, start slow. Like we don't ever want you to like, just like, oh my gosh, like switch full, you know, full speed ahead. Yeah. Even like, That's just as dangerous. Yeah. Um, even like some of my clients. So I will joke and some of them are eating maybe 70 grams of protein a day. Maybe. Now, 70 grams of protein isn't even enough for a woman in a nursing home. 
just sitting there doing nothing in a nursing home. So, and as you age, especially women, um, but as you age, you need even more protein in order to like live, honestly. And the minimum amount of protein I ever give anybody is 109 grams. And that is for people who don't work out, who are just beginning with nutrition, who are um, maybe older and just not used to, or even younger and not used to eating a lot of protein. Now, Let's be let's let's talk about this too because in my clientele people think that protein is anything that's white. Like white meat, cottage cheese, which they are, don't get me wrong, but variety literally is the spice of life because mm-hmm. each protein has different amino acids and it has different um other vitamins and minerals in it that you know we weren't meat meant variety. To, yeah, we weren't just meant to eat just chicken or just turkey or just hamburger like getting venison like in our area you know deer season's coming in a couple of months actually by the time this comes out it will be deer season eating that venison eating that jerky eating the fish eating the pheasant eating the um, i'm trying to think what else like rabbit and whatever else is coming and you know if people haven't had red meat in a while venison is the best place to start because it is so wild and it, it is a leaner meat, red meat, and it's going to be really, really beneficial to, you know, if you haven't been eating red meat for a while, just slowly starting to eat with venison is going to be really, really beneficial to your body. Yeah. You know, for my clients that haven't eaten a lot of meat, um, I tell them to start with bone broth yep. and you know, and even there are some people who bone broth has them, they have a reaction to the bone broth. So I'm like, okay, when you have bone broth, dilute it in half, like dilute half of it and, you know, put half and half of water versus bone broth and drink that just starting out just to start getting some of those, that protein back into your body. Yeah. And, um, so it, it is just like with anything else, take it slow, take it slow. Um, when we were talking about the venison, um, a good way to support, like to start, if you're like, eh, venison's a little sketch to me and you're not used to that kind of thing. Um, getting some ground venison from your local hunter or your neighbor or whomever else, even I guess butchers nowadays, I think carry it. I'm not sure. Um, we just hunt it ourselves. So I don't know. Um, but this winter, I am going to get the bones from somebody and make some deer bone broth. Oh, that would be good. Doesn't that sound amazing? Yeah, it does. Sounds really good. Um, I need a whole friend for my bone broth. The other day I brewed a bunch of bone broth. I have like, like 200 ounces of bone broth in my fridge. I already drank like a hundred of it. (laughs) It's so So good good. though. It's so good though. Um, but so let's just say you got some ground venison or you got some, um, stew meat from the vet, from your, your deer. And a good way to start with that is making it into a chili. Like that way you can kind of hide if you, if it is a gamier, it's going to taste gamier if you're not used to grass fed meats. And if there's, there's been bone marrow kept with that meat, you don't want bone marrow with that meat. Um, once it's, you know, once it's butchered. Um, but if you mix it with some and make it into chili with your sprouted beans and properly prepared beans, you're going to like, you're going to get all those nutrients and you're going to have the different vitamins and stuff from the ingredients from your chili. Anyway, that's an easy way to like get yourself into, I always put them in soups. If you have a new meat, you're like, eh, I don't know about, put it in a soup or put it with a sauce. It kind of, 
helps start things. Um, so protein, protein number one, make sure, and also, so people use like their hands, like to, like to, um, determine portion sizes, I guess. I would honestly do at least two palm size and like in your palms are different than I have. I have man hands. Um, me too. <laughs> we've got man hands and, um, I would do two palm sizes of protein, same thickness as your hand, same like circle part as your hand. I would do, um, <laughs> yes, I would do two servings and count that as one. Like, because most people are like, Oh, you just need a fist size. Well, you know what? Like, that's probably not enough. And who knows what, you know, like not all meat looks like a fist, right? So I always say just my palm, palm size, two things of palm size meat, um, at each meal. The next thing I would say is move your body, like for body composition and just healthy habits, move your dang body. You know, right now we live in a society where, you know, I've been sick these last, this last week and a half or whatever. I was literally able to order everything I needed from my bed. I did not have to get up. I did not have to drive anywhere. I had everything delivered. And that's how we live our life daily. We're and not. Whenever we do go somewhere, we get in our car, we walk, you know, my car is like 10 feet from my front door. I go and walk to my car. I try to look for the closest, the closest parking lot or the closest parking spot. You walk in, that's a couple feet. And then you walk back to your car, you come back home, you know, and both of us, we work from our house. And so if we are not intentionally getting out and working, intentionally getting out and walking, it's going to show, you know, a lot of people work from an office. They use the elevator. You know, I have made it a point to park as far away as possible, you know, at the Walmart parking lot. I don't like park up back at the gas station, but I park far away. I, between my client calls, I go for the, I have a park really close to my house and I go and walk half a mile between client calls. I make it a priority to make that a vital, vital part of not just my business to keep myself healthier, to keep, to keep myself moving so that I'm not constantly just bogged down with working and focusing on, you know, the next task or filling out all these things. And then by the end of the day, I haven't moved. I haven't moved off my desk. That's super, super bad for you. That's, you know, even if you're eating all the right foods, if you're not walking, if you're not moving, you know, I told my clients, okay, I want you to get up and I want you to do 20 jumping jacks. Like if you work and you're, you have a super busy job, if you're, if you're a teacher and you can't, you know, walk throughout the day, walk around your classroom, have your kids. Okay. You guys, we're going to stand up and we're going to do 20 jumping jacks right now between, before we do this next task, stand up and make it a fun. You know, so, and that's another thing. You're going to be super depressed if you're not walking around. If you're, you know, back to being a teacher, you were a teacher. We've all been in that classroom where it's just like, you know, you aren't really doing anything. You do your work, you sit down. And if you're that teacher, that's going to be really beneficial to your kids too, because kids aren't able to move around like they, like we should, you know, we're, we're all about sitting down, working on our computer, working on our phone doing so many things that are easy for us, but it makes it so much harder. Think about, you know, like my grandpa was a farmer three generations ago. He, he moved all day long. He would come inside for 45 minutes, eat lunch. And that was the only time throughout, you know, 
16 hours awake that he wasn't moving. Everything else, he was moving. He was, he was moving around. He was doing stuff. He was working hard. He was lifting. He wasn't working out, but he was strong. He was strong. He was one of the strongest men I've ever known up until the day he died. Not because he worked out, not because he spent an hour in the gym, not because he was lifting weights, but because he was using his body for everything that he did. Yeah. You just mentioned something that I completely forgot about. Your one hour workout does not matter for you. Well, and it doesn't matter in context of the 23 other hours that you're doing that you're alive. So, and, and you know, those people that are working out an hour at the gym all day, once a day, or they get more injuries than people that, you know, like the farmer kid who never goes to the gym. And then you have this other kid that's constantly in the gym. You know, you have this one guy that's constantly in the gym working out, like looks decent, you know, has some decent muscles. And then you look at this other guy who works on a farm, lifts, lifts all this, you know, hay bales and whatever else works with his animals. You see that guy, can you imagine, you know, there's a polar opposite difference looking at their bodies. Well, and think about too, think about the farm, like let's just stay on the same like wavelength here. Think about the farmer and what he's eating throughout the day, what he's drinking throughout the day versus what that person, and this may be you, if you have like, first of all, I want you to notice the first two things we've said is protein and move your body. We have not told you to take a product, drink this shake, Take this pill, nothing. (laughs) So just FYI, if someone is trying to tell you, you must take XYZ in order to have a proper body composition, run the other way. Yes, they're wrong. Just run the other way. Um, So I want you to think about the farmer, and I want you to think about just a general Jim Joe. We're just going to call him Jim Joe, okay? you got Farmer Joe and Jim Joe. Jim Joe is going to have his pre-workout, likely, He's going to have a post-workout shake. He's going to maybe run through the drive through somewhere on the way home. He's probably going to go out and have multiple beers with, with the guys on the weekend. Or, you know, or if it's a woman, going to go have tons of uh, wine um, with, the, with the girls in light of, oh, wine culture and it's okay, all these things. But then you've got Farmer Joe, who keeps his priorities He works hard, he loves God, he loves his family, and he's eating food that was probably made in his own kitchen. And he's probably- And in his backyard. And in his backyard, grown in his backyard. And- He knew the animal before he butchered it. Yep, yep. And had a relationship with that food. I think that's something I do want to bring up for sure, is that body composition is not necessarily found in all the things you do, but in all the things- that you don't do. So if you are not in, um, not in relation, if you're taking to, if you're, if everything about food is fast to you and it is a second thought, do you think that God created the plants and the animals for us to eat as a second thought? Did he create us on day number six as a second afterthought? Or did he create all those things in preparation for human? For us. Right. For us. So, Honestly, where does that put your heart when you are thinking of yourself as a fast drive-through? Like that your quality is fast drive-through. When you have Jesus Christ who bled 98.5 degree blood from that cross, and yet you treat that holy temple of your body like utter crap, the chemicals that you're eating through those drive-through, if you're treating your physical human 
temple, this flesh that we have been gifted, as if it's an afterthought. Tell me, how is that honoring to God? How is that? How do we walk into church? Go ahead. We're going to pray that we're healed. Yep. We're going to pray that we're healed. We're going to pray that God bless us. And God's going to heal us because we prayed that we're healed. Yep. And God's going to bless our body. Nothing makes me more angry. (laughs) I know. And I'm like, I'm sorry, y'all, but I'm on a tangent because I... Being sick these last couple of weeks, I I get irritated when I'm sick. Let's just be real. I'm someone that don't mess with me. Let me just keep going, like busting forward. I don't want to get sick. Just, I don't care getting sick, but don't take my brain with it, right? So I am never more convinced that the church has enabled obesity, the sin of gluttony with our food, with our money, and if you follow where your money and time goes, if you are spending more time out at restaurants than at your d- dining room table fellowshipping with unbelievers and believers alike and being the church, the hands and feet of the church, what are we doing? What are we doing? We are not honoring God. It is not okay to sit and, and I, again, I'm on my tangent. I'm the one here, like, I am here. I am the one that struggles with my weight and I get it. Like I get it. Depression happens. Anxiety happens. Unsureness happens. Somewhere along the way, we have learned that food is a, is a drug that's, that we can use to cope. And the church, you walk in wearing a size 24, 28, 32, whatever size pants. And everyone's just like, oh, it's okay. But yet the alcoholic or the sex addict or the drug addict is looked down upon. And they're shunned. And they're shunned. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. I am not sorry because it is not okay for us to be allowed to be abused, like to abuse ourselves. We are the walking whole, like we are a walking holy temple with the gift that Jesus tore that stinking veil that we have one-to-one access with our father, our creator. And I can't get over the fact that yes, he does forgive us. And yes, we can repent and don't get me wrong. But our actions and our behaviors prove who we actually serve. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't feel like I can say that because I've never been overweight. I mean, like the biggest I've been is like 160. Okay. Like 155, somewhere in there. That's the biggest I've ever been. So like what you just said, like, I don't feel like I could ever say that, but when we're, when we are destroying our body and we, we think that it doesn't, it's like you said, it's not as bad as something else. It's not as bad as drugs because it doesn't change the way you impact. So I, I, somebody, somebody told me, cause I was arguing gluttony versus like being a drug addict and oh, I can't remember their exact words, but it was like, well, that doesn't impact people the way that drugs do. Like, how does it not? Because we're programmed to think that, you know, in in our culture, we're programmed to think that, that drugs are super bad because they hurt people more than being obese. Well, if you're obese, if you're big and you have all these other health problems, you're still hurting people because you can't run around with your grandkids. Nope. You can't run around with your kids. You can't, you, you don't have energy. You know, even for me, like, the energy that I have now that my body is actually doing, like all of my energy isn't going straight into my digestion. I have so much more energy now to do things, to play with my nieces, to, to go out and want to 
run and play hide and seek. You know, in my early twenties, I just, I didn't want to do that. Not that I was like super exhausted, but like, it wasn't something that if, if I were to do that, it would exhaust me and I would feel tired and I couldn't, you know, but now it's like, I can do anything I want to do because I'm not my body's energy is not being devoted to all of these things that are seriously trying to keep me alive. Yeah. And like what you just said, the only word that I could say or think of every, like with everything you just said was selfishness. Every, every like drug addiction or alcoholism, all of it is selfish. And, um, you know, like thinking about, you know, thinking about my, my family and thinking about where I was headed, you know, the cost of insulin is ridiculously high. And that takes away from me, from my tithe that takes away from adventures or fun or it took took away from your, your childhood because of your dad. Yep. Because your dad had your dad had to pay thousands of dollars a month for his insulin. Yep. That took away from your childhood. It's yep. taking away from your grand from his grandkids. It's taking away from so many things because he was not selfish enough to take care of his body. Well, and you know, like what you just said is so true. Like I, I don't want to get tears here, but it's obesity takes away the presence and memories. It takes away you know, my dad, you know, my I love to hunt and fish with my dad. Like, there is nothing like, you know, going fishing with my dad where he would fall in the lake and still somehow catch fish as he was walking. Um, like, the competition and just that whatever. And he can't do that anymore. And the thing that we're talking about here, everything we're talking about here with your body composition, everything is reversible. Now, genetics does play a role of where you're going to lose weight, how you look, like all of that kind of stuff, because some people are going to have, you know, bigger hips, some people are going to have bigger shoulders, some people are going to have bigger thigh, you know, whatever. But we're talking about literal obesity, where your fat mass, your subcutaneous fat mass and visceral fat mass outweigh your muscle mass. The goal, like we need to have fat on our bodies. Don't get me wrong. Women, we need to have extra fat on our bodies than men do because that's how we produce um, enough milk and that's how we create babies and all of that kind of stuff. That's what keeps them and us alive. It's really kind of cool when you think about it. However, there's always too much, like too much can be too much. Too much of a good thing can be too much. And I think that, you know, it's hard because we stigmatize or stigmatize is it stigmatized? Is that the right word? Um, people that are overweight, you know, I was just thinking too, you know, we were talking about the cost, right? Like the cost of obesity, we're thinking about medicines. I'm thinking about two seats on the airplane, two tickets on the airplane. I'm thinking about how much it costs. What? Needing to eat more, needing to eat more food, needing to, um, your clothes, I don't know if anybody realizes it, but plus size clothes are at least $5 more than the counterpart of the misses. Think about like wow. fancy underwear. You can't even find fancy, cute, sexy underwear. Um, and I know that that's a thing because a lot of my clients, when they lose, like get to a certain thing, like there are things like, I want to feel sexy. I want sexy underwear. And so they're like, oh my gosh, I can finally fit into these. I can actually not have to pay extra. Bras. Bras, on the other hand, are ridiculous anyway, right? I know you don't always wear bras but 
we have no. oh i just shared that didn't don't I? Have one i'm so right sorry <laughs> i have to wear them because otherwise they go down to my belly button and <laughs> i've reached that stage of life um, I, remember, I remember being young and like all the like everybody obsessing like in middle school and like early high school with like getting boobs and i was like why do they want those things why do you want to wear something that holds your body like, is tight around that's the dumbest thing. And I literally, I was like, I never want big boobs. Never. I want to stay an A and unfortunately not a B, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> At least you you're stay where they're supposed to stay for now. Um, yeah. But- hopefully I don't nurse forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's my third one. Um, but like the bras. So let's just say like a normal, like Playtex bra that you can go get from Walmart. Right. I think that that's what they're called. Um, But you can go there and go get these bras. First of all, you're going to buy less quality of a bra because it costs more for the extra material. And you're going to have backache and like all the other things because your boobs aren't where they're supposed to be. You have all the extra weight anyway on your, you know, your midsection, let alone on the shoulders. And you're hunched over on the front because you're and the bras dig in like Nothing is comfortable when you are obese. I'll just be the first to tell you. The boils that you get between your legs, the skin rashes, the, um, I'm trying to think of, like, the smells. Like, if your skin is rubbing and you're trying, let's just say you're, um, you're, like, listening to us and you're like, okay, I'm going to get to the gym. I'm going to work with a personal trainer. You know what's still embarrassing after 65 pounds off? You know what's still embarrassing? When that barbell gets caught in my stomach. Like as I'm pulling that barbell up against my body and trying to get under it and it gets caught underneath my stomach, the extra skin, you know, what else is embarrassing is when you go and jump and your skin flaps and makes flappy noises. You have to have a lot of confidence to go to the gym if you are overweight and have excess skin. Yeah. And it sucks. But all of the stuff that we're talking about, it costs more. It costs a lot more to be overweight. It costs even more to be obese. And we know if you're overweight, you already know this, you know this, you know this, but why have we not stepped into whatever it's going to take to, to keep that weight off? If you're over, if you are overweight or obese, you've probably tried every single dieting protocol out there. I, I did. I tried the, the prescription pills. They work until they don't. Which goes and tells me that we are all about fast. Just like the fast food that we want to feed our bodies and be the, the second, second thought, we want fast results for something that is not a fast, resolvable issue. We want fast because our culture says it has to be fast and done overnight. But our relationship... With- you know, the fast, the fast part of that, nothing comes fast. Nothing that's worth anything, you're going to get super fast. And whenever we, whenever we are so focused on the fast thing, what, being a mom, you focused on that for a long time. You wanted the fast thing. And then you tried the fast diets to lose your weight. Whenever you finally got to where you are now and you finally realize like, this is going to take me some time. This is like, I have to support my body through all of this. Think about your kids now. 
Because I'm sure your kids remembered whenever you were losing weight improperly, you were teaching them you were, and you were probably feeding them fast food at that time. And so your kids were being trained to eat quickly and that, that, that created such an imbalance in their body and their mindset. You know, we, we don't want, we don't want things for the, the other people that we love. We don't want to impose on, on what they have going on. And we don't want to like, we don't want to give them our problems, but in doing that with that type of mindset, we're, we're portraying that in every area of our life. And, you know, oftentimes people that are obese are really busy. They're tired. They want that quick thing because they are so tired because they're exhausted because they have kids because they can't do it all. Mm -hmm. You can't do it all. But the problem is, is that doing it halfway isn't helping anyone. No. It's not helping anybody. And you know, you think like, oh, I'm super busy. I have to just get through the day. I just have to get to the next thing. I can, you know, you, 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 tr- you try so hard, but yet you're not really trying. And I see that. I see that so many times in, in friends of mine with kids. And I just want to hold them and say, you're not helping your kid by, by not helping yourself, by not helping your health. By focusing on something else, diverting, diverting your mindset to something else to specifically, I see it so much in my friends that are moms. When you divert all of your efforts into your kids and you don't help yourself, you are hurting your children more than you can ever imagine. That's what that, that breaks, that breaks my heart. Yeah. And like for um... me, like I'm a little obsessive because <laughs> like we're trying to get pregnant and in trying to get pregnant, like my number one priority right now, is not me even like I've supported my body? I'm doing so many things right in my body, but like, I don't even want to get pregnant at this point, learning so much stuff about like, you know, I haven't talked about this on our podcast yet, but I have, I currently recently, I learned, I have a huge infection in my jawbone because of an a root canal gone bad. Um, so I have this huge infection and I'm having oral surgery to scrape out part of my jawbone. Super, super exciting y'all. So I, I don't want to, at this point, like in, this is a great benefit to waiting a long time to have children, but I see so many people having their kids and I'm like, I don't want to be growing my child inside me until my body is ready until my body can fully, I want to give my child the best environment I possibly can. 10 years ago, whenever I first, you know, wanted to like, Oh, I can't wait to have kids. I wasn't thinking about that. Thankfully. Um, it's only the grace of God that I <laughs> wasn't married back then and didn't have kids. <laughs> like, but that's my goal right now for like, for supporting my body. It has nothing to do with necessarily me, but just like, that is a huge passion to, I want to give the best environment I possibly can to my child. And in doing that before they're even here, I want my body to be the best environment for them. And so I think if, if moms especially were to think that way, that would alter so much of their child's life. If we, if we could grasp that, especially in the church, especially in 
looking at our children, you know, I used to be a children's pastor and, and looking at the way that we think about children in the church, I am a huge component of your kids need to know theology. Your kids need to study acts. Your kids should start studying acts as a, as a first grader, you should have them go through acts. You know, I, when I was a children's pastor, I took a whole year to go through acts with my kids, you know, Stephen dying, Stephen being, I'm going to go off on a tangent y'all. Go for it. Your seats. Whenever we talked about Stephen being murdered by Paul, being stoned to death, I taught my first graders, Stephen being stoned to death. Now, if you've read this story of Stephen, Stephen was being stoned to death and he looked up into heaven and his face was shining because he saw the glory. Oh, it's giving me chills because he saw the glory of God. He saw what he was about to enter into and he was so excited and he was the first martyr. He is a huge aspect of how our faith is today and what we believe today is it. Stephen is a crucial part. And if you are not teaching your children, oh, if you are not teaching your children that you have an influence over Stephen's story, you are significantly, significantly harming their relationship with Jesus, their foundation, their, their whole view on what Christianity is. You cannot just teach them pretty little veggie tale stories and pretty little, pretty little Bible, t- Bible bedtime stories. You have to teach them why to believe what they believe, or else we're going to have a huge generation of people that are deconstructing their faith because they weren't taught what Jesus did for them and why he did it and the importance of it. You know, whenever I taught Stephen to my first graders, I got glitter and we put it on their face and I talked to them how important it is to love God with everything that you are, to love Jesus with everything that you are, to look at him, even when things are hard, even when things don't make sense. Stephen was being stoned. He was being stoned and his face was shining with the glory of God because he was only looking to God. So my kids, my first graders, year, it was like over a year later and they were all, they, they brought it up all the time. Remember that thing, time that we talked, we put glitter on our face and we talked about the glory of God shining on us when Stephen was being murdered. First graders were telling their parents that it matters y'all. The, the foundational aspects of everything that we teach our kids from, from theology in the Bible to taking care of your body, to supporting your body, it all matters for the foundational aspects of your kid's entire life. You know what you just said? Uh, <laughs> I wanted to interrupt, but I wasn't going to. Um, the parents have to know the Stephen story. The yeah. parents have to know the theology. The parents have to be done with I'm not the water. in our churches today either. Yeah, right. Uh, Right, in your cute little women's ministry groups, like oh, let me okay, that's another episode. That's another episode. We'll we'll go there sometime. But my on that, Daniel. <laughs> but somewhere along the way, we have watered down God's word, and it was never meant to be watered down. We wonder why we are in the predicaments that we are right now, and we wonder how the people in Afghanistan, the Christians left in Afghanistan, right now. How? What are they doing? Are they? Oh, but you know, I'm gonna have some Jesus and coffee and just wait for me, you know, for someone to come save me. Read no. our little book. Yeah, let's read our little book, study our devotional. And I'm not saying that these things are bad, right? I'm not saying that these things are right. bad, but when they take the place of 
real theology and understanding what the context of the content in the Bible, that is a problem. And when we don't under, when we don't slow, maybe this is like how we can wrap this all up. The composition of our lives is going to reflect how we um, how we view our Creator. And if we go back to the Creator, we are going to have a body composition that is healthy and do the things that are healthy: eat protein, move your dang body, and sleep and get in the Bible. Um, but read you're gonna... Acts. Read Acts. Read Acts. Acts is what the Bible supposed to look like. Yes, what the church is supposed to look like. What did I say? Uh, you said Bible. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you know. Um, what the church is supposed to look like. Right. Guys, we're on one right now. But <laughs> the composition of your life can be summed up with how you spend your time and how you spend your money. If, you ha- if you're spending your time running through fast food, if you're spending your time yelling at your kids to get out the door for school and then like at, after, after school homework and all these things... You are creating memories and a composition of life. And you are creating, as moms, moms are like the, um, what is that called? The, 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 the voice we hear in our heads are typically of our moms. And if all our mom is doing is yelling at us to get ready, do this, I'm ashamed of you, let's go through the fast food, you should treat yourself like this. And we are role models. The way we live our life where we'd spend our time and our money shows who and what we serve plain and simple. And I'm not perfect. Please don't like you can, you, I have my own plank. I've got a humongous plank in my eye. So don't get me wrong. We all, (laughs) yeah, we all do. And I have a plank and I'm working on my plank. So we're not perfect. We are flesh and there are weaknesses and times where I'm like, okay, whatever. But more times than not, I'm convicted on it. And I'm convicted like, oh, crap. I am going too fast. I'm frustrated with my kids. Well, it's my fault because I am, haven't given them enough attention. Or, you know, things like that. Anyway, time and money reflects who and what you serve. And as the church, we need to wake up, stop enabling other people. When you have church potlucks, make it protein. Make it fruits and vegetables. Make it healthy so that people who are struggling with food or struggling with drugs or whatever, make it a safe place for them. Don't tempt them. Don't, you know, just like, I forget what scripture it is right now off the top of my head, but like not to tempt your brother or sister in Christ and not to have them stumble in their walk. Let's shell out a few bucks for some extra protein. All right, guys, this is the episode. Well, I don't know how we got here, but this is the episode on <laughs> body like a lot composition. Of our episodes do that. What'd you say? Like, we have an intention for a lot of our episodes, and they just go like so many different places. Like, you can, you never know. No. Nope. And we don't script these at all. Here. <laughs> yeah, we don't script these at all. So we just know a topic and we just go. Um, but yeah, so this is our episode on body composition and weight loss. And we just pray that you actually see yourself as important and valuable and that you will do what it takes to surrender everything to God's will, not yours. All right, guys, until next time. Bye y'all. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can support this podcast by going to koko-fi.com slash even the rocks podcast, or find this link in the show notes. This helps to support us continue to make these episodes available to you. 
If you would like to work with either of us, you can find us on Instagram at even the rocks podcast or email us at even the rocks podcast at gmail.com. If you found this podcast helpful, please rate us at five stars and leave us a review. We appreciate you greatly for listening.